everyone, and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. Bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. everyone and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma. I'm here today with John Fauci. Welcome John. How you doing Peter? Very well thanks. It's great to have you here. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for joining thanks, me. Um, I met John as well through Man Talks Alliance. We've had a few, few of the Man Talks Alliance people on the podcast already. Been a great support so thank you for that. And um, let's begin, shall we? So I'll ask you, what's your vibe, John? What's my vibe? Um, Interesting question. Um, I love art, all different kinds. Um, That's one thing I found really interesting in in learning about your profession is I love music. Um, And that's maybe one of the arts that I actually have never pursued but um you know i i've throughout my life um just been a fan of uh you know entertainment like movies and Mm. and tv and um i started off when i was really young acting and i've that's been a lifelong pursuit and um uh, like drawing painting and, and i love that's the stuff that really you know gets me um, awesome. uh, into Eastern philosophy, just philosophy in general, especially in the last couple of years, been really getting to that. Um, awesome. That's something we haven't, yeah. we haven't talked about yet, but that's lit a passion in me. Right. Oh, now. really? Yeah. I love philosophy. So yeah, let's, let's mark that as something, something to, to talk, talk about. about. Yeah. In the future yeah, for or sure. even now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And you have a creative job right now, don't you? You work for a... Yeah, I work for um, uh, one of the studios. You know, <laughs> it, it is creative, um, but it's kind of serving serving somebody else's creative vision, which... I see. To me, I think the next step for me that I want to do is is kind of put my own creative vision out there, kind of like this podcast, you know, like you... Mm. It was a thought you manifested it and now it's happening. Yeah. So yeah. I want to do more of that. Great. Great. That's, um, I'm excited to, cause I already heard the, the first, uh, thoughts on your, your, your project and they sound mm-hmm. really awesome. It sounds really awesome. So yeah, Thanks, I'm, very, I'm very excited to witness your journey through that. And yeah. it's, it's such a, now that I'm here and you're here and we're recording podcasts, um, 
It's it's a magical journey, actually. The from thought form, which is completely conceptual, and you just go through the darkness of of the process. You know, you go go through all the fears and 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 the things that keep you from from creating it, and then suddenly it becomes mm-hmm. a very visceral thing that you can release, and it's it's a wonderful wonderful process to be a part of. I wouldn't say. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's kind of of me. Yeah, it's a very human experience to go through this kind of mystical creation. Yeah. yeah. I heard, um, I forget who it was, like a couple of days ago, somebody say that um, at, uh, life is a verb. Ah. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard it put that way. Yeah. Um, and like, so you're, you're doing the verb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Dan Carlin, I think. I think there's someone... Yes, yes, I, it was yeah, Dan Carlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, he was on Joe Rogan and he was like, life is a verb. And I went... <laughs> my brain just went, oh my days, yes. Yeah, I really, uh, that really resonated with me. Yeah, so. and, the, and the other thing that I'm reading right now is um, Ordinary People as Monks and Mystics, which kind of has an intimidating title, but it... It's all about how ordinary people navigate life in the in a generally kind of spiritual way. But she also says that like actualizing our ideas is much like, you know, what he's talking about life as a verb. It's kind of like we're always actualizing and we kind of wish sometimes we strive for that place where we're like, okay, now it's finished and I can relax. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have come to realize that kind of life is a verb for sure and just and and actually i'm missing life if i'm trying to find the solution to something um i'm not enjoying the process that's what i've come to realize so interesting how did you find that book um i'm actually taking a course called re-becoming human um by sandra kim and it's all about anti-racism and healing internalized whiteness which is quite deep so but she she's she shared some of that book in in that course and it just really resonated with me my way of thinking and yeah just bought it because that's what i do nowadays (laughs) if something jumps out at me i'm like yes i forgot i don't know if we talked about this previously but have you have you done the artist way or have you read julia cameron stuff awesome I have the book and I did start reading it a couple of years ago and I started the morning pages and they're like really, they're really integral. I didn't follow like the whole course. I didn't like, I I didn't go any further than probably, probably should pick that back up seeing as I'm a, I'm a musician and all and sort of rediscovering my artistry. Um, But yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm curious to, to know why you asked. For some reason, just it just popped into my head. There's a lot of mm-hmm. inspirational stuff that she pulls from in there, and I had it on my bookshelf. Somebody gave it to me as a gift like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, and I never cracked it. And then, like four years ago, I finally did, and it was super powerful. Wow! Yeah, I it's got funny. a lot out of it. Oh, that's amazing. So it's just funny waiting actually. for me on my bookshelf. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, I was talking about that today. Um, it's funny because I was actually gifted that book too. And I feel like it's a gift kind of book, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you need this in your life. Like, please have it. And I think it was a lady called, yeah, it was definitely a lady called Ella. Um, 
that I knew through a friend of a friend. Um, and she, she's like, yeah, she was very perceptive and she was like, have this book. It, I no longer need it. And, and I'm passing it on to you. And that's, that's a beautiful, it's a really beautiful thing. How it's a great you? gift. A book is a great gift. Oh yeah, absolutely. I believe in that. Also talking yeah. to my parents today about, um, I bought a saxophone 10 years ago. They helped me to, to finance it 10 years ago. And I only started learning it this year. Um, got myself a saxophone teacher and I've been learning it really, really like, like it, I speak through it basically. It's like one of my things. Wow. And, and I was thinking over that and it's like, it's interesting because it was sat in, in the box, like in, in the case for 10 years and I always kind of wanted to play it, but I never had the sort of drive or the confidence to play it. But mm-hmm. this year it's just coming to me. I've got myself a teacher and yeah. That's great. Lovely. I mean, this is already amazing stuff, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even got into the prompts yet. But yeah. <laughs> great stuff. Um, and we got, what's the name of your dog? No. It's two dogs, Juno, Juno and Ollie. Okay. They're joining us. They're, they're joining our conversation. Yeah, they're, okay. yeah I was, I, but I was saying I'm just happy enough to, to invite their voices into our conversation. So that's nice. Um, the first one you picked, I also have to tell you, I've got a little bell here and the, prompt, the prompts are like 15 minutes long. So I'll ring the bell okay. and we have a minute left. Okay. So yeah, first prompt is riding the waves of change. Riding the waves of change. So yeah, what do you what what does that bring up for you? Um yeah, when I, when I looked at that one, um, I guess the first thing it brought up was sort of, um, you know, as a young kid, um, our life was changed every couple of years in that um, we moved every year or two when I was growing up. And... Um, I was thinking about it. I don't think I ever spent more than two years in one school from like uh, in the U.S. It's kindergarten through 12th grade. I don't know if in the U.K. it's a similar system. So, yeah, um, so. yeah, my my parents met. They're both New Yorkers and they met in Los Angeles. And then after they got married, my dad got um uh, he got uh, accepted into a, a, a doctorate program at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. So I was mm-hmm. born in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then... That's up north, right? He, um, Nebraska? Yeah. It's kind of like the center of the country. It's like oh, okay. dead center, like um, corn cornfields. Prairie. Um, Flatland, flat yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we moved... From there, he worked for a series of colleges um, in Ohio, a couple cities in Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, 
if you're from Missouri, it's called Missouri, actually. Is it? <laughs> the local Missouri. Yeah. Um, and then as a teenager, we moved back to Los Angeles where they, they had met. So I'd never lived there until then. So, you know, riding the waves of change, I think um, that um, really impacted me as far as like how I developed into a person, you know? Um, and, you know, they're just like anything. There's, there's two sides to the coin. Like um, the, the tough thing was when I really got connected to people in the place where we lived, you know, friends and, and schools and stuff like that. Um, and then just having to kind of uproot and leave. Um, and then, uh, mm-hmm. that sounds the, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to other people that have kind of had that experience. Um, and it also, you know, I was a shy kid. I'm still kind of a shy person, right. like at my core. Um, so I had to look for ways to belong, um, to, to, to enter into whatever the social circle was, whether it was the neighborhood kids or people at school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually art was one of my sort of ways in, like I, I kind of was so into it. I would, you know, excelled at that. And like whoever was also into art, I would kind of gravitate towards them at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it forced me to kind of like get used to being in new situations. So right. that's uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. My, my thing was, yeah. my thing was also music. I, I, I feel like that was my thing as a shy kid as well. Um, I didn't move around, but, um, yeah, I had a lot of social anxiety and, and just, it's, it's an interesting thing how to place yourself in, in that group. Um, be good at something and like give give people a way to kind of understand who you are because i think shy kids um i'd call it introversion uh, like i'm a definite introvert it's not just my incapability in social situations it, <laughs> it's very definitely my nature of introversion um i read this book called quiet um i don't know if you know that book um but it was amazing. It's like um, describing how introverts uh, are sort of like a mild form of oppression, <laughs> you know, not being accepted in, in society, not being understood fully. Yeah. Yeah. What was the other thing I was going to say? Something else that you mentioned. Um, yeah. Oh, the gift, the gift of, of moving a lot. It's, um, that it put you in new situations you had to adapt to? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is relationship, like, mm. because, you know, back, this is like in the seventies and eighties, like <clears throat> there was no internet, you know, like I, I think once or twice I wrote to a friend that I'd made, like, but those relationships all went away. Right. Um, yeah, wasn't until like hard, I was man. junior high and high school. So like now the type of person I am is like, I, maintain my relationships like i stay in touch with people and i that's one of the biggest things that i value in life is relationship mm-hmm. so i'm not saying i'm always great at it but i i really value friendship and um, family and stuff like that because we were also isolated from 
both sides of my family as well when I see we moved around and stuff. So um, it it's interesting too because the biggest thing, and I'm sure I don't know if you experienced this as being shy, but like that sense of wanting to belong. I realized that part of the way I handle it is until I get comfortable in a situation, like I'll prepare, like even for this podcast, you know, I think I told you (laughs) I had a couple of thoughts that I jotted down, but it's like in a conversation, I'll like in my head, I I was just thinking about this this week. Like I'll make a menu of, of, of things I'm going to talk about. And (laughs) And then, and then after the interaction, like whether it's like a, you know, a short one or a long one, I'll debrief myself. Okay. Did everything go okay with that? Like Uh did anything go wrong? Like (laughs) trying to kind of, I think it's kind of a, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a controlling thing. Um, Not like I'm trying to control the other person, but the interaction I'm trying to make sure. Um, I think that stems from being a kid and not, not knowing what to say, you know, how how to navigate that stuff. Yeah, a couple of couple of things come to me there. I guess the the idea about knowing, like in, in the the biggest thing that I've come across for this is like yin yang. It's like knowing the two aspects to something. It's like in in experiencing that in in childhood, it, it made you more like intentional with friendship, which is a really like amazing thing. Like, and so many people in my perception anyway it's um so many people sort of um gloss over that you know they're not they're not so proactive and intentional with with connections and and timing i find i mean i have a i have a history of childhood trauma but it's i mean it gives me this sense of like i really value someone's time i really value like and and it's really important to me i think the people in my life also have that importance but in in order to to know that importance you have to know the other side of it where someone's not valuing your time i think yeah yeah my thoughts on that time is one of those things you know it's like it's it's i mean it's valuable and and um yeah i just uh i think um I'm just, I'm just going back to like your thoughts on, you know, the relationship. The one level deeper on that is that sometimes the relationship, because sometimes too much, too much emphasis for me can be on the relationship Mm -hmm. and putting pressure on there to be, this great relationship or this great interaction too. Um, Does that make any sense? Yeah. So there's pressure. There's lots of pressure to, to Um, that really good experience in, is that what you mean? Or that's just my interpretation. Yeah. Or just like (laughs) to make sure all the relationships are like, you know how things ebb and flow and people come in and out of your life, but I'm always Mm -hmm. like, if maybe it's even an ego thing, like where if the, if the person is not engaging the way that I would hope them to like somehow it means something about me when mm-hmm. it doesn't right. really. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's this whole like stack of cards that um, sometimes expectations that I've had in my life. And, and if I look at it, you know, like um, 
I think the jumping off point was some of those experiences, you know, growing up, but also kind of being a people pleaser and, and seeking mm-hmm. approval, you know, to get into the group. And I mean, these are normal things that every young person goes through, every person goes through. But, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time reflecting um, on some of these things in the last several years. And, and um, um, yeah, it, it just, <clears throat> you know, I just find it interesting, like to, to learn about, okay, here's the mechanism of why I do this shit now. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, I really appreciate this coming up because it's so important. It's so, so essential to, to this journey. It's that, that is true. It's the mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad you said that because it brought it all in there, you know, and just held it in there, you know, because it's so common for, and I think to a certain extent, like my belief is that everybody has trauma to a certain extent, you know, they go through something. It's like in, in the nature of childhood to, to have your trust ruptured and to have to let like move away from your parents in terms of authority and build your own sense of self, you know, that in itself is a trauma in a way. But like your example of like moving a lot and my example of like sexual abuse that I experienced is like, those are like more kind of, those are like more like kind of intense versions of what people go through in general in a way. And it's like, we, it's really understandable that, and I, I just want to be like, like really authentic and, and and clear that it's definitely it's definitely like the mechanism. I'm so glad that you use that word because it is it. There's a certain amount of of wanting to make sure that you're seen or you know that people care about you. And and I, for me personally, like I I do that a lot. And sometimes when I'm feeling like vulnerable, like I'll I'll question people when it's really my sense of like having to, to follow these mechanisms of like communication rather than actually asking someone, Hey, what did you mean by that? Because life is like messy and yeah. And sometimes people say things that they can't get out, like they can't get the words out properly or they, (laughs) they just do something unconsciously and it hurts and you're like, Hey, was that about me or is that your shit? Or <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I had a friend um, tell me this a couple of years ago. Um, he just happens to be a therapist, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like um, when I, and we were talking about for me, you know, when I get emotional, I'm a sensitive guy, um, sure. emotional guy. And uh, he said, like, what if you can ask yourself, like in the situation, um, am I doing my best and whatever the situation is, am I doing my best? If, if I'm not doing my best, in other words, if I'm falling short in some way, then it's an opportunity for me to learn about what happened and mm-hmm. how I showed up in whatever way, not good or bad. Just, and if I did do my best, well, that's all I can do. Yeah. And the, you know, the cards are going to fall where they may, you know? Um, so that's kind of a quick thing. Sometimes I think about, right after a situation if something comes up for me you know later on in reflection but um Mm. um (laughs) yeah but a lot of times like the stuff that you know i that comes up for me has nothing to do with the other person yeah (laughs) it's that mechanism and i think it's (laughs) somebody pushed the button yeah 
And I think it's really good that you bring that up, especially for me as an introvert. I know that um, I'm a very sensitive man and it's kind of shamed out of us as men in general, right? Like being in sure. a week and, but it's the waves of change within me, like that I feel very, 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 um, like in a real way. Um, it's like, I once said that if, you, if, if someone's quiet in your environment and they might have a, a bigger internal dialogue than an external dialogue, you know? It's like they might just be processing much more than you could ever imagine. So just give them, give them a break, you know, just mm-hmm. allow them to just be like quiet and just allow them to, to go through what they got to go through. And I thought that was really profound. And that came to me quite early in life. I think maybe because I'm an introvert and I, I, I have in general been that kind of quiet person. Mm-hmm. Like I just picked it up cause I resonated with it. But, um, That's great. um, yeah, I love the fact that, cause I've had a few extroverts on the show, um, podcast show, whatever. <laughs> and, um, and it's good to hear their process, but it's really, really awesome to talk with someone who's like generally quite shy and quiet as well. And like, mm-hmm. it's really cool to hear the process. Like the waves of change doesn't have to be external. Like the way that life pushes and pulls us, it, it can be those those kind of mechanisms that get triggered and and just cycle out within us. Yeah, I think most people have that. I don't you know? It's there's like it seems to be a gradient of of how much you can kind of ignore that <laughs> and just get on with your life. But um, yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, that's end of that's fifteen minutes on that one. So okay, awesome. Sounds good. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, next one you picked is love through hardship. through hardship Uh, yeah yeah i guess um and i might this might be like the you can tell me if this is like a a tangent that doesn't really track for you but um Mm -hmm. i i guess love through hardship what came up for me was you know i'm married and um Mm -hmm. my wife and i have been together for i think it was a eight years, uh, in last October, um, we've been together a little over 10 years and, you know, it's my first marriage. Um, I, I love her to death and, and it's been, um, an amazing journey that we've had together. And I think the hardest thing for, um, me with being married, you know, a little bit later in life is that uh, I had already kind of set a pattern for life. And to be honest, um, through the relationship and, and learning how to be married, um, I kind of forced me, has forced me to grow up Mm. more than I think I would have if, had I not been married, 
in okay. a lot of ways. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of hard, but it's kind of like the stuff that we've been talking about before. It, it's really <laughs> anything that I, I feel like I've really kind of gone through and looked at the external world to tell me why it's, it's really always points back to, to me. Uh, and, um, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so I don't mean to sound like, you know, my marriage has been that hard, but it's been difficult for me to, you know, through whatever comes up in a relationship mm-hmm. you know, over years is, is you discover, I mean, when you're intimate with someone, you're, you're for, you can't hide. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you can hide, but, but all of them, it's just like, um, yeah, I believe as a leader in leadership, your, your strengths are going to be on display and your weaknesses, all of them will, will be on display if you're really engaged. Yeah. I think that's true in a relationship too. If you really engage, so the strengths are there, but then you're also going to be facing if, yeah. if unless you're checked out, yeah, you're be dealing with those other things. So yeah. it's not fun to admit, but <laughs> face those parts. Of yeah, myself. yeah. I think that I think that shows you know how much you've you've how much dedication you have to 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 knowing yourself, being aware of your process, and yeah. I definitely agree. Like, and then in the sense it's like a subjection isn't it like i i I can't imagine what it's like to be married for 10 years but uh, i'm i can imagine you know how difficult it is to sort of craft a craft a relationship with someone and you know you're sharing you're sharing your life and and i i've said it before and i'll say it again and um you know like it's got to be that 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 primary relationship has got it's got a trigger all of the part of the beauty of life is is that 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 person is asking you to be vulnerable and and show up like fully like whether you can or you can't you know that the call is there and that's and that is the sort of richest area of growth isn't it it's like and and many people you know experience hardship around just that fact like how how can i get to that place where i'm fully open fully vulnerable because takes a lot of bravery and courage so it's good to see that you're doing it like intentionally and um yeah. yeah i mean i'm i'm trying i think for me you know the model i had my parents split up um when i was 14 okay and it was not a it was not a, not a great situation um the way that it all unfolded and then and, yes. and then the years following and so mm-hmm. You know, I definitely didn't want to follow in those footsteps. Yeah. And the other thing I think I was, you know, in denial about when I got married was that somehow a relationship would be the thing that made me happy. Uh-huh. Um, and that, um, that was the, you know, that was what the job of the relationship was when what I've discovered is like, as you know, of course, we all want to be happy in a relationship, but I'm responsible for everything about me, and that goes to my yeah. my happiness and 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 my purpose and and um, it's not there's not an external solution 
for that state, you know, um, yeah. and it's not like I consciously thought that, <laughs> but yeah. I can see my pattern in relationship before, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you fall in love and, and it's really intense and that's, there's a great you know, shot of dopamine or whatever goes on in our brains that makes us. Yeah. It's endorphins you know, as well. Yeah. The endorphins. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. I just wanted to just say a little bit about the strength of endorphins. They're like, they, they're strong. They can last for two years, you know, like, yeah. and, and the, that's in, uh, the love languages, the five love languages. He says, you know, that, that initial phase will last around two years and you're basically, you know, that the, the nature of connecting with another, like our ancestral nature gives us that two year period, you know, to really, to connect with another person. And then after that, it's like, it's based on values. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it gets a bit, bit more tricky. Really. Did you ever read um, the book, uh, The Road Less Traveled? Oh, I do have that. And I've started it. And I don't know why I didn't continue because I just got sidetracked. <laughs> it's, it's funny. My mom actually gave me that book after she had read it years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, Scott Peck, isn't it? Yeah. M. Scott Peck. I think he's written a bunch okay. of stuff. Yeah. And the thing that, I remember, I still remember this passage and he was talking about his own marriage or his own kids. He had a, has a family mm-hmm. and um, he said, yeah, I have this weird, I discovered I have this weird form of insanity. Oh, and he also talks about the two year thing like that. You just talked right. about, I think he calls it cathexis, that two year period or the, All right. the, the beginnings. Um, but the passage that just uh, me, I thought of just now is that I have this, he says, I have this weird form of insanity where, when I want my wife to be around and she's not around, like I, I get annoyed. Mm-hmm. And when she's around and I'm trying to do other things, I get annoyed. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, you know, like that, that's not how it works. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's, um, I mean that whatever causes that annoyance, it's just, you know, like, Mm-hmm. People aren't. I guess it's a form of narcissism or, or flavor of that or something where you want the people to be around when you want them and not around when you sure. don't. And, I mean, mm-hmm. in, in, in living life, you know, like in a household, obviously there's different, you know, things that you set up with people of mm-hmm. how the your like life together. But mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting because it's yeah. Kind of, I was yeah centered thing that everybody or can't yeah everybody, but no for sure I like myself in yeah see yeah it seems to be quite quite an essential part of human the human experience right mm-hmm. and and that's what M Scott Peck like really kind of writes around doesn't he the road less traveled yeah um, and I I'm really psyched that I I I bought this. Um, PBS series um, with Joseph Campbell and um, I think his name's Will. Power of Myth. Yes, yes, the Power of Myth. Yes, and I watched the first three last night, and I was just like, "That's incredible! That is incredible!" And I think what what you're kind of speaking to there is the like, yeah, the sort of narcissistic aspect of the child, which is quite normal. But then the maturation process, and I, I've been talking about this a lot recently. Um, but yeah, the process of like maturing through that and 
And I had a conversation this morning with someone about actually it's not in the moments that are like really obvious and they and we all expect these moments to just be there like a light bulb and they go bing like oh thanks universe that's the sign that i wanted <laughs> that's, that's, that's it <laughs> it's like um i guess the movies kind of work like that don't they yeah. like that's that's what they teach us um in yeah. many ways but the the actual the actual grit of it i i found in those moments where i'm going oh, i really wish they weren't doing that right now like i really really want them to stop doing that right now and then behind that layer of like annoyance distraction like i don't know in the past it's been depression or upset or like you know all of the stuff that's come up um even the sense of like oh i'll go for a run or like i'll get something to eat you know these things if if we're like disconnected from our from our bo- from our bodies in a way it's like am I actually hungry or am I annoyed that my like partner's doing something that's triggering me basically. So yeah, I like what you say about everything starts from within and I love the, I love the phrase of like that talks about, you know, what's the lowest common denominator in it, in every situation that you face. It is you. And so if these things are coming, these things are coming. They're like messengers for us to kind of. How, how are you showing up? Yeah, yeah. Do you meditate? Do you meditate? Yeah. I'm actually a Reiki master practitioner. That, that's so, right. Yeah. So I meditate. And um, yeah, I do use meditation in that form. Yeah. It's more like a Buddhist practice in a way, like a awareness practice. Yeah. Um, I don't know Reiki um yeah okay um but i mean i mean i i've heard heard about it. i don't know what is there like a is there a way to explain it you know? yeah there is yeah yeah for sure um it's an energy meditation so reiki is a similar translation to qigong um it means mm. energies everywhere um so it means that kind of presence that's never an absence in some form yeah, other others would call it God, um, but you know, in in the Buddhist tradition, it's all about being connected with nature. So it's more about like convening with the energy that's all around us. In yeah, it's kind of what the quantum physics would call the field. Um, and then you just work with it. It's like you just learn to work with it, and it it sort of works through the nervous system and the kind of meridian lines, energy lines in the body. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of you know around Chinese medicine as well. Yeah. So that's what it is. And, um, basically I, you know, you can do treatments, um, which is kind of like on the level of kind of like a massage where people come in and lie on the bed and you do an energy treatment. You don't have to touch them, but you can. And, um, but then I do self, there's self treatments as well, which is more like a meditation. So it's interesting mm-hmm. I'd like to learn more about that. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. It's I, I, I think, a passion I think, of mine. Yeah. That's cool, man. I, I think the, um, the thing that's coming up for me right now around meditation is in, in lieu of what we were just talking about is, mm-hmm. you know, how of, of, 
um, responding instead of reacting. Oh, that's good. And I've heard people talk about, you know, um, there's a guy who wrote a book on meditation. He actually was a coach for a lot of like sports teams and stuff. He, he famously coached like the Chicago bulls and like the golden state warriors. And I'm forgetting his name, but he, he think got this from the book, um, man's search for meaning the, which was Victor Frankl. Uh, yeah. Victor Frankl's book. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's something like in like between stimulus and response, we have the choice of how to, you know, how to respond. Um, yeah. even if it's a couple seconds. And so mm-hmm. I feel like the more grounded I am in myself and, and some of the things like you were talking about through your training and stuff like that, like feels like you can master that a little bit more. And, and kind of getting to that core part of you <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be able to it's, see what you just said, which is like the humanity and everyone like that person's going through an experience and has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Sure. How am I going to, am I going to react with yeah. compassion, compassion towards myself, you know? Mm. Yeah, that, absolutely. I think that's, that's a key for me anyway. Yes. That. I mean, it's definitely given, given me a deep understanding of, 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 energy in the sense of energy emotion which is the emotions that i have like i actually feel them in my body and the energy that i have in my body so i'm getting more perceptive around how i feel so energy uh, so emotion is different from feeling but yeah just and then just yeah like you said really beautifully um the idea of, of of someone else's experience where they're at um and sometimes, um, energetically, someone can be saying something, but not be truly in in, in integrity with their energy. That you know, that's just a body language thing, isn't it? Um, like anyone can tell, like if someone's really mad and they're kind of like hunched over and like angry, but they say, "Oh no, I'm fine." <laughs> and you're like, yeah. it's almost more sinister than someone that says, "Oh, I'm really pissed off." Like this thing happened and I'm pissed. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm definitely on a journey with that. Really appreciate. It's kind of wild sometimes like to, to understand. How do we, how do we maintain a social mask in a way that's appropriate to the situation, but at the same time be authentic and, and real and, and yeah, you know, I know we're doing a lot around shame at the moment. I think it's interesting because there's a toxic shame that, that says that we're a bad person or what we're doing is bad for the community is different from like a healthy shame, which gives us a, an idea of our limits as a person and how we're affecting other people. If you don't have a healthy model of shame, then you do just go around hurting people because you don't understand where your actions end and and someone else's energy and emotion begins, you know? And I think it's quite common. Um, oh yeah. Super, super common. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm sure. I know I've done it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've definitely done it. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's the thing with the journey, isn't it? Like you, you have to mess up a bunch um, with a bunch of different people and yeah. It's just what it is. And we all mess up. Yeah. Every, every one of us, you know. Absolutely. I think um, 
I've really been focusing on forgiveness recently, actually. And there's a really beautiful project here in the UK called the Forgiveness Project. They're uh, run out of London and they have a book called Forgiveness is Really Strange. It's called that. And it's, I completely agree. It's a really strange thing. Um, but I'm definitely focusing on that because, you know, it's essential, like both for ourselves, like to forgive ourselves for for the things we messed up and, and for others because other people mess things up too. If, if you're, if you're hanging on to old pain that, that you're not getting through, I mean, that's going to be taking up some of the bandwidth in your brain <laughs> or yeah. subconscious or whatever it is, you know, it, yeah. it, it's in that mechanism and maybe it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the gears aren't oiled in that spot because that thing keeps coming up for whatever reason. Yeah. It's interesting actually. Cause I, I think that's a misperception in, in our culture as well. Like Western thought is that uh, things just don't work out. If, if, if you don't try hard enough or something, you know, but the reality is you only get a certain amount of thought and energy a day. And there definitely is things that are unresolved there. They keep playing in a loop, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just the more that you become aware of it, the more you can free that energy up and, and the time and the thought, yeah, to do other things. Yeah. So that's really cool. Nice. Okay. Well, the next one, grief. for picking some of the (laughs) you know like i actually we've had quite a lot of people pick pick these kind these three prompts because i think you know change love and grief you know there's super essential parts of experiencing life Mm -hmm. aren't they so what what does that mean what does it mean to you um well probably the most um You know, we, we all experience loss, and I, I've definitely had some, you know, we'll talk about relationships, um, mm-hmm. lost some people that, you know, I really cared about at different times. But probably the most impactful one for me was in 2001, um, my mom died. Um, mm-hmm. She had just retired from her job. She worked for years as a teacher in the, um, for the archdiocese of Los Angeles, like the Catholic schools, then she became a principal. And then from there she became an administrator and was actually, um, under the superintendent in charge of all the elementary schools in Los Angeles. And she retired in 2001 that summer. And then she had a, um, a back problem. So she went in for a, a surgery um, and she had scheduled it for when my sister and I would be here, which was around Christmas time. So December 28th, three days after Christmas, she had a surgery and um, it was a pretty standard surgery, I guess. And she had a, a disc that was 
uh, causing her pain because it was out of alignment. And um, there were complications. And um, the night after the surgery in the hospital, um, she she died. Um, Sorry to say that. And uh, thanks, man. Um, my sister was there in the room when it happened. Uh, I was nearby um, mm-hmm. living in my apartment. And it was um, close by where I live now. Um, it was at the hospital in Glendale. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I rushed over. My sister called me right when a bunch of people had rushed into the room to try and help her. I guess they had seen something on her monitors that was not good. And, and by the time I got there, they were trying to resuscitate her, but um, failed. And so... Um, it's been a big know, shock, shock, yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's, it, yeah. And I have a picture that we took. We went to go see my mom... <laughs> she used to read books aloud to my sister and I when we were kids. And one of the books she read to us was uh, the Tolkien book, The Hobbit, oh, well, but, The Lord of the Rings. And that Christmas day, we went to go see uh, The Lord of the Rings. It had just come out. And so I have a picture of us outside the man's Chinese theater, like mm-hmm. all together, completely normal life. And then just a couple of days later, she was gone. So wow. it's so strange how you know, that part of life works, you know, sometimes it's very, very sudden. Um, and sometimes it's over long periods of time that, you know, we lose people, um, due mm-hmm. to illness or whatever. Um, so that was, you know, <clears throat> um, she was like one of my champions, you okay. know, um, when my parents split up when I was 14, I, my sister and I stayed with my mother and, um, she had, the reason we moved around so much is we followed my father's career for all those years mm-hmm. and my mother who had been educated as a teacher and she was a college professor and stuff. She kind of sublimated her own career growth to follow his. And then when they split up, she had not pursued, you know, that. So unfortunately mm-hmm. it was kind of a struggle financially because um, Catholic school teachers don't make that much money. That's what she was doing. I see. So Point being is that she sacrificed a lot for my sister and I and also, you know, raised us after my father was gone. So very special relationship, you know, she encouraged me as an artist and was sort of like my, my rock in a lot of ways. Oh, wow. That's super strong. So I was just sorry for interrupting you. No, no, no. I just, okay. I was just going to say that's a really common narrative, isn't it? You know, that kind of women had to give up, you know, their, their, um, professional like dreams or, you know, the dreams of actualizing their own, you know? Yeah. 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 For it's, sure. It's beautiful that she's so supportive of you in your artistry because, um, yeah, it's really important. I think, um, to be encouraged that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely unconditional. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So I'm it's very good. thankful for like, you know, what she gave me and my, my sister and, yeah. you know, it, her spirit lives on in us. You know, my sister went on to nice. become like a, you know, um, she, a teacher and an educator and she, she got her doctorate at Columbia a couple of years ago and she trains teachers and runs programs in New York city that, you know, help integrate um, kids 
that are um, bilingual. She's big, oh, wow. and and um, her own family uh, is bilingual. Her, her son, um, and so like she's big into bilingual education, but she was kind of inspired by my mom in that respect. You know, the education side. Um, nice. Yeah, I, was so, gonna, I was going to talk yeah. about like, that kind of legacy that I saw. This is an interesting part of grief, isn't it? To recognize, it sort of gives you an opportunity to, to recognize those, those gifts and that kind of how you like process life alongside their, their values, you know, what they gave you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be like as prevalent during, during, it's a, it's maybe a little unfortunate. I, I feel, do you know what I mean? That we don't, or I don't, um, go through that process while, while someone's alive, just, just to find the gratitude, you know, amongst their, what they're giving me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably one of the most painful things for me is that I didn't have a chance to like formally, you know, mm-hmm. offer my gratitude for the sacrifice and, and everything that she did, you know? So I, I think I'm right there with you. Like having a practice of gratitude for the people that are around right now, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. living from living from that intention, right. Yeah. Of appreciating, um, Mm. the relationship or the, or the opportunities that we, that we're given, you know? Yeah. I think that's really strong because gratitude is such a powerful and amazing, like, you know, um, uplifting, um, experience, isn't it? And I, I think I, I made an agreement with myself to live in gratitude of my close relationships, um, a bit more. Um, you know, there are some relationships that I can't, I, I can't get there, you know, um, yet, um, I say yet because it's just, it's the biggest challenge, isn't it? It's like, it's life life's challenge to get there yeah Um, sometimes they sometimes it's like a flip i think you know there's some relationships that i've had or have where what they gave me was like sort of the cautionary tale of i want to go in the opposite direction (laughs) uh yeah that's yeah i've learned is i'm gonna (laughs) not do that Yeah, I was going to say that. That's beautiful because some you can be grateful for the lesson of I don't want to be like that, and still not, and still hold your boundaries and be like, okay, I appreciate you, but um, that's a no for me. That's a no for me. That can be a gift too. Sometimes we learn from the the most from the people that sometimes we learn the most from the people we don't even like. I think. Yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, I think around the grief thing, around the loss thing you know, sometimes we learn the most from those people that, that have the courage to be like, it's a no for me. Like, and they break, like some people that that break up with you, for for example, say like your behavior is not acceptable for me. And it's like a really big teacher. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're completely right. Let me learn from that. The, The other thing that comes up for me with that particular loss is that, um, you know, prior to the surgery, you know, my mom kind of had a new lease on life. She, she was looking forward to retirement. She had all these plans. And I remember her being really excited and coming to me for counsel on, do you think I should do this surgery? And I encouraged her to, 
so that she could, you know, be healthy and really enjoy uh, the things that she wanted her to do. So there's a definitely a guilt <laughs> right. that somehow, like, mm. in my counsel, I counseled her to do something that ended up going mm-hmm. going badly. So that's that's the biggest pain right now that that I yeah. is still with me. I had um I hear that experience a couple years ago right <clears throat> with a shaman actually. Oh brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Let me and, say, I love <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just, yeah. so it was a guided journey yeah. and it, it was it was yeah. really intense, you know, and yeah. I and and um mm-hmm. very emotional. And mm-hmm. when I came out of it, the shaman and the other people that were participating in this very um safe space like all were like what happened and, and that was one of the things that had come up as i really realized i was really holding on to a lot of guilt okay. and okay. um you know which i think is probably you know anyone would experience you yeah. know, through that situation but like yeah how do you reconcile that or you talked about forgiving yourself like mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if I need to forgive myself. It's putting things into perspective, but like, mm. these are the things that, you know, we yeah. hold on to sometimes. Yeah. I feel that man. Like I, I feel, I feel your emotion with it and it's valid for sure. You know, that's probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever heard someone say in a way, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think this is coming up for you because you're ready to let go of it because I don't, I didn't think it's like a, a thing you have to just hold forever because it, it was just that, you know, and that's what we're talking about kind of life as this kind of mess that you just get through as quickly and like as well as possible. But, but those things, you know, they're painful, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was a blessing to, for your mum to come for you to, for counsel, you know? that's a blessing because she trusted you. You know, I just thought of this, Peter, like in, in that experience with the shaman, it was like an eight hour <laughs> guided wow. thing through all these different stages. Wow. And at one point during it, you know, there was ceremony and ritual and at one part during this ceremony, like I actually had a vision. I felt my mom's arms. This is just like three years ago, my mom's arms embracing me around me. And I'd never I don't dream about her. You know, I think about her obviously, mm. but it, w- it was really powerful. I really felt mm. her presence there. Yeah. And so that was pretty interesting. And then mm. the later experience that I just spoke about happened a couple hours after that, where I okay. kind of confronted the feelings and stuff. So the, her arms around you, how did you translate that? What did, what did that bring to you? <sighs> Just that mm. oh, she's here and she's with me and yeah, <clears throat> you know, and she's loves me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. That's beautiful. Hmm. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you, John. That was incredible. Yeah. Thanks for that. Whoa. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no. Neither was I. But that's the beauty. That's the beauty of life. <laughs> that's the beauty of life. 
I think I think one thing that that in Western thought that we shame is this ancestral thing. Yeah, it's just like you know. I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm all in with that, and maybe I'm a little bit. Um, I hesitate to say to define what it is, but I definitely believe in that kind of Eastern philosophy of ancestry. You know, like like even like in my. In the trailer for this podcast, I said that, you know, the part of the reason that I'm doing this is my grandpa's spirit, you know, is with me. Like the things that he taught me are going into this. And in that way, I feel his presence in this, right? It's, it's, a, it's a mystery, but it, mm-hmm. I think it's a good one. And I'm really happy that um you're on this journey like i i deeply believe that things just rise on us because we're ready we're ready Mm -hmm. we're ready to do it and although i can feel your pain around it and it's it's beautiful that you can be vulnerable and emotional and and that's how you process this right sure Uh, i thank you for your authenticity and and willingness to to do that because it's I think it's a really beautiful thing. Thanks, man. Hmm, I feel I feel touched by that. Actually, I feel like great. <laughs> I feel grateful for it. I'm grateful for you and 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 your sharing. Yeah, um, I mean, I think um, you know, there's always touchstones. You know what I mean? Like your grandfather will always be. I mean. We, we we don't know each other for very long, but I can just tell by the way you speak of him, like he will always be that for you. And I think we carry, I believe, we carry with us the people that have, you know, impacted us and even the ones that we've never met. I mean, I'm here because of my ancestors for hundreds or thousands of years, like and I'm like the final step. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of stuff. I have a grandfather that I never really spent time with because he died when I was very young. And Mm -hmm. I, from the stories I've heard about him, there's, he's in me too. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And sometimes I even think about them like Mm -hmm. in times of, you know, at crossroads, like Mm. what would they counsel me or, or what would they think? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah, I actually have to do that. I'm going to show you. I have this, I mean, I have lots of pictures on my wall of my ancestry because it's my parents' house. Um, but I have this picture and if anyone wants to see it, it'll be on YouTube, but, um, they're, they're my like great, 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 great ancestors. You know, I obviously never met them and, um, mm-hmm. but they, they really inspire me. So what are their names? I don't actually know. Cause it's, um, all the, they're, they're Polish. They were Polish Jews. Um, I don't think they were affected by any of the um, atrocities or anything, but um, all the records were burnt um, after the Second World War. So um, I'm not actually sure if we know their names or not, um, but I think their spirit comes comes through me often. Yeah. And uh, even I see the similarities in, in, in my face with them and, yeah. It's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Awesome. Well, so the last section is a free 15 and it's, okay. I guess we can, yeah, it's just anything that you want to bring 
bring up or you can expand on anything at the beginning you mentioned philosophy oh sure to come back to like excellent what 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 do you want to talk about about that i mean (laughs) there's a lot to talk about (laughs) how long do you have (laughs) do you have 40 years (laughs) um yeah what 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 have you listened to or read recently that that kind of sparked something in you because that's what's going on right now right yeah yes yes um for me i i read alan de botton's books um there's one called consolations of philosophy um which is amazing that i think i'm gonna get this wrong but um there's there's there was the stoics in in ancient greece and um there was another guy um i think he was called heraclitus but i forgive me if i'm wrong but um he was into the philosophy of pleasure and everyone kind of shamed him out of it they were like well this guy just has orgies all the time and he just stuffs himself with food and like has gout and stuff and like he's got disease and and all, all of that stuff but actually it was completely different to that like he did explore pleasure to its extremes but he came to the notion that actually he said like bring me bring me a bowl of rice and i'll be happy all day so he he actually came he he actually came to the idea that that in order to have pleasure we, we don't actually need that much and in in greece at the time he lived it was like really chaotic but he lived in this like commune space with a with a garden and and five of his friends like all are doing to this like simplistic philosophy around pleasure and um i think for me it just speaks to to kind of a heart-centered living you know just really like we talk a lot in the alliance about getting at getting out of our head and like going down into our body and and really feeling our, our heart and our gut what it's saying to us and and my own experience of doing that has definitely simplified simplified my life and i don't eat as much i don't i don't consume as much i can find pleasure in in more like i can find pleasure in space i can find pleasure in watching like birds flying around or um so i'm interested in that also interested in the eastern philosophy around harmony and the sort of Tao, the Taoist um, philosophy around, around harmony. Mm-hmm. They're the two. I mean, Japanese philosophy really hits the nail on the head um, for most things for me. Like um, just their observance of the fleeting nature of, of life, like the cherry blossom is beautiful because it only happens like once a year for like two weeks and then it falls off and withers almost instantly um yeah just those kind of things is there anything you want to sort of what grabs you about philosophy well i i'm super into it and i guess the line is a little blurred for me sometimes between philosophy and psychology at times mm-hmm. um i have on my board over here memento mori oh sweet latin for remember that you must die which i think Yes, it is is um, 
is sort of related to maybe directly related to the, the Stoics. I, Marcus Aurelius is somebody that I've, I've listened to a lot of like, like stuff that he, um, yeah, sorry, the, about. the Stoics are Roman, weren't they? They weren't Greek. I think, I think they were both. I think, well, I'm not sure to be honest. I want to make cool. something up. Yeah. Um, but recently, so I've been, I always pay attention to this stuff, but like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about Eastern philosophy, you know, awakening the Buddha within was probably my introduction to Buddhism like years ago. And I've always had a um, strong relationship with those teachings. Um, but recently Ralph Waldo Emerson's um, essay, self-reliance, something that I've been um, wow. really gotten connected to, which was, like, I didn't realize how impactful it was when he, at the times during the times, like I think the 1860s when he wrote it or something. Oh, wow. And he's credited with sort of like being the first American philosopher. I see. Uh, in a way. And then stemming from that, you know, um, I think Nietzsche was influenced by him and then, Oh, really? Carl Jung by Nietzsche. And so, like, all those yeah. guys, Heidegger um, mm-hmm. is kind of a controversial figure, but he has some really interesting mm-hmm. ideas. So, like, those are some of the people that cool. have kind of been taking in their teachings. Awesome. Um, but the Taoist principles, um, yeah. like the Tao Te Ching and um, yeah. The yeah. things that you're talking about. I, I, I like all that stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'd, yeah, they, all those people said, I have, um, thus spoke and Zoroastra, um, as Nietzsche's like amazing piece of writing, isn't it? I mean, he, mm-hmm. and his life was quite tormented in a way, wasn't it? I mean, I think. Yeah. Tragic um, almost. Yeah. At the end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely, and and also the Tao Te Ching is. I think it's just a way for me to reconnect with, and like Joseph Campbell says, you know, in the Power of Myth, is um, it's like connecting to to the to the invisible that sits behind the visible. You know, I think philosophy um, allows for that to happen. It's a really good framework to really like ponder the mystery around, mm-hmm. around the experience of life. I feel, I feel like that was something that I was really, really missing. Like I put a post on social media today about like, ah, oh, just feeling like I had a wave. I had a, a, a big cry today, like a full body cry. You know, when it happens, you're like, oh, it just moves through you and convulses you and, and it kind of lifts a lot of stuff and and it was kind of around intuition because i've just been following my intuition and it's really today was the first time i thought no this is really working this is really bringing me to a space that i'm actualizing myself in the world you know and i think philosophy was like a really big part of that it was something that i was a full body yes for you know (laughs) like when i found it like 10 years ago started reading lightly around philosophy just you know the little book you know the little little things um yeah so 
I just thought of something that, um, you know, being a creative person like yourself, an artist, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was just remembering this. Um, I had this acting teacher years ago who's a great teacher. His name was Virgil Fry. And uh, he's passed on now. And he used to say, um, um, you know, it's a job of an artist to like soak in as much knowledge and hum- of the human experience as possible. It's like almost a responsibility to like yeah. current events, to studying, educating yourself on the world and all the people in it and history and, and literature. And, and um, I think that that, you know, you're doing that, you know, it sounds like from the things that you've been investigating, I, I think that that then is reflected back in the work that you do. I mean, whether it's this podcast or the music that you make, your saxophone, you know, it's, it's going to come out. It's gone through this whole, you know, that, that expression is going to be manifested through all the stuff that you've taken in, like that Pink Floyd song. Oh, wow. We're like, um, mm-hmm. off dark side of the moon. Gosh, I forget the, the name of the song, but it's like yeah. basically saying that all, all that you are is everything that you've ever experienced. And then, so if you're constantly yes. flowing, that stuff's flowing out of you, it's going to be <laughs> informed by the Tao Te Ching or yeah. Yeah, her, yeah. is it Heraclitus? Yeah, I think it is yeah. pretty sure. Pretty sure. That's the yeah. subtle voice. The subtle voice within me is telling me it's Heraclitus, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it wasn't really a choice for me. In fact, the choice for me was whether to follow my nature or not, because when I first realized I was an artist and musician, I kind of resisted it. I resisted it super hard because I realized that I would have to understand life as the entirety of human experience, you know, um, or at least try. And then, yeah, so I've been through a big, big journey with haven't actually made much art yet. I'm sure that that, that period is coming um, for me. Um, but yeah, I've spent my life like seeking knowledge, you know. And um, S- student, student of life. Yeah, for sure. Lifelong student. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually, and I, and I also wanted to touch on that because the other thing that Campbell says, and I just definitely agree, is that the mind, the mind needs a framework um, to be healthy. And someone else said that. I think it was Brené Brown. As, I mean, it's just a fact, isn't it? It's like, it just you need. Do you need to partner with your ego? You need to partner with your mind. And actually, Eastern philosophy that they say like the the mind is a um, a good slave, but a poor master. You know. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, if you, the heart mind connection is really important. And if, and if your mind becomes a tyrant, it's, it's really, it can, it's just really terrible for you. It's like, I've actually had that through trauma, trauma and like trauma response is like the, the shame of being a bad person. Then you start maintaining that shame and your mind becomes your tyrant. And it's like, you can't get out from that experience. It just keeps going. And so how do you think that we build that scaffolding with, within ourselves, the bones of mm-hmm. that solid foundation? Yeah. You feel like it's through that exploration and then uh, like applying it to our own experiences or. Yeah. 
sifting through the, like an archaeological dig of like you know, <laughs> where we came from or, or like to be, yeah. to really grow because growth is difficult, right? I mean, we yeah. all want it, but then manifesting and really, truly, yeah, you know, being it is, is another thing, you know? Yeah, that's super hard. It's super hard. I think it's not given enough credit for that. You need a lot of bravery and courage to, to grow. And yeah, Brené Brown says um, in her late, uh, in the book I'm reading, Rising Strong, she says that curiosity will get you into a shit fight, but it's a good shit fight because <laughs> that's where the growth <laughs> is. <laughs> so yeah, get into yeah. it. Like, get, you got to be willing to like... Yeah, and you have to choose. Stuff, this is a thing you know, that's coming over and over again is you have to choose you have to choose you have to choose life you have to choose growth did, did we already talk about this in a previous conversation the the idea that um fears unfaced become turn into doubt and then doubt kills the warrior inside of you wow i don't i don't think so but that's that's awesome yeah yeah and by by facing those things that we don't want to face, you know, you said the shit storm or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that that forces that part of ourselves to grow, maybe. Yeah. A resilience. Yeah. And also, just things are never as bad as the mind can can throw you into into thinking they are. Yeah, there exists in the world like some awful things, um, and obviously. It, you have to make sure that you're you're secure and safe but um if if you're just going through this psychological journey in your everyday life it's the unfaced fears like you like you say it's the shame the shame that ha- that keeps things in the darkness and like shame shame can't survive the light you know it's if you shine your like flashlight of awareness on on something which i love then it can't survive it it has to change. And then, like you said, like it's the choice. And actually the, the best thing you, you can do, like the best thing that I did is, is actually open up that space in between stimulus and response. Just open it up. Just, just, and there are tools like loving, I use like loving kindness, meditation, um, gratitude, practice, forgiveness, compassion, um, love, like self-love and love of other people. Um, these are the natural tools that give you the momentum the, and the, and the, and the sense of self and, and confidence and self-esteem. And all of these things are really, really important because they take you over the line when something grabs you by the throat, you know, like you, you get a fear like, oh, oh, I can't do this. And, and it's your habitual practice in, in the good times because like, if if I sit around in the good times, I'm just like, hey, this, these times are really good. I don't need to do anything. Actually, the good times give me the space to do the work, right? And then when the bad times come, I'm not as like slapped over the face with it. Mm-hmm. I have more space, and it's like yeah. putting. And I think I had to. I had to be super intense about it and do it really. Like a lot of people say, like I'm. I'm I'm leaning in loads and doing loads of work and being really intentional about it. Um, but I think that most people probably don't have to do that kind of as much work as I have done. Um, 
so yeah, it's just those little moments, you know, little five minute moments, like journaling when you wake up, like for five minutes. Or... He agrees. <laughs> or, um, yeah, just those little moments of just like thinking things through and being like, Hey, it's okay. If you're suffering right now, like trying to understand how I feel about things and where, where I want things to move and choosing, choosing how to live my life in that way. Do you also do this for like you're, you have something that you're going to do or say, and then you think about, okay, what's my intention here? What, 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 yeah. what what's behind this? It's a really and there, that's another thing where you'll meet the ego sometimes real quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> mm-hmm. there, there's so much of life. Sometimes I feel like it's just automatic pilot at times. Sure. Having that intention for me. Yeah. Trying to be more connected to it. Like you said, the stimulus, the space in between stimulus and response, but yeah. um, It's pretty powerful when you can be connected to like what your power really is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's really good. Thanks for bringing that up because it's, and that's, I think that reminds me of something that Plato said. It's like an um, a what did he say? It's like something around being aware of life. That's you know the the aim of life is to be aware of your process of life. You know, like an un, unaware life is is a, is an unhappy life because those unconscious drives are driving you it's not it's it's not a sense of like um if i don't focus on this it's not driving me it's it's actually kind of the opposite if we if we if i don't focus on what's driving me then it will just drive me unconsciously and then in my experience i end up just hurting people and just doing those you know things just getting angry and shitty with people and yeah, I had a bunch of that in my life and I think it got to the point where I was just like, well, enough is enough. You know, I actually want, I want to co-create a relationship with someone that's meaningful and not based on kind of this kind of cyclic pain that I was going through. Is there like a person or like a, something that was like, like a, one of those like mile posts that really, because I can see that you're on a very mindful journey, yeah. you know, with, with intention and it's a beautiful thing. Like, is there somebody that you credit with kind of, kind of showing you that like, like here, here's another path or, or did it just come to you through yeah, like reading and stuff like that? Well, I think, I think for me, I've been on a lifelong journey in that sense, like for starting with those childhood traumas and then just, just being so like unhappy within myself and like living in those kind of PTSD like symptoms like depression chronic depression and like rage just rage for days and weeks and then burnout and then so but I I would credit like the people that have been in my life in relationship I had a couple of really really profound relationships one in my 20s and then one last year that lasted um, four years and then a year like and they just like I went traveling in Asia like backpacking for over a year in Asia with w- one of my partners and 
then last year, my partner last year, she really, really, really helped me and guide, guided me. And, and also with the, the problems that we faced in the relationship, that really helped me and guided me as well. But one of the things that, that my last partner did was just made me aware that I have responsibility for my actions, you know, even if they come from a really dark place of pain, like it's still my responsibility to deal with, like I can choose. This is the thing we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And she was very, very keen on saying, you know, I, and she completely understood and she was an amazing kind of um, healer in her own right. You know, she listened and she really understood the pain that I was in. Um, but she also didn't give me that kind of, you know, off the hook kind of thing. Like she was like, you know, if you're, if you're really serious and dedicated to this, like here's some resources, go, go and get yourself a psychotherapist. And that's exactly what I did. You know? Yeah. I'm very blessed to have experienced that partnership, um, for sure. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so right well i think we're coming up on time but i want i just want to thank you john i know that you're a bit nervous about this but i just never had any doubt about our conversation it's it's been so big and and rich and i know that a lot of people will resonate with what we talk about and, and it will help a lot of people as well thanks for inviting me and just i just want to congratulate you on just manifesting this podcast like thank you it's it's a reflection of who you are which is a caring force in this world so thank take you. my hat off to you for for really taking the risk and, and putting yourself out there so i support you man thank you john i really appreciate it it's really i'm really grateful i see that oh it's very it's really cool so um i know you're a private person you but do you want um, to to tell people where you, where they can find you, or is it, do you want to remain? Um, just uh, <clears throat> my Instagram handle, I guess, oh. is a is a good way. Um, it's at John Vincent Falky. Um, that's the handle. Cool. So, so nice. hopefully, um, some more art will be coming through there as well. Yeah. And definitely, yeah, look out for that one because, yeah, the initial ideas are pretty pretty out there, pretty good. So, yeah, go on. Uh, more, more to come on that one. Looking yeah. forward to that journey. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Nice. Oh
Thank you all for joining us today. I just want to express my gratitude for your time, attention, and love, and for being a part of this process. I really enjoyed this conversation with John Falky. It was so rich and wise, and it was really a pleasure to be a part of. The only thing left for me to say is take care, and I'll see you all soon. <laughs>